The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max. Smackdown. Review. And we are live to tape the W2M Network here for the Wrestling to the Max Smackdown Live review for December 5th, 2017. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Joining me at this particular moment, my co-host, Miss Liz Puglisi. Good evening, Liz. Hello. Our executive producer, the head man, the head honcho of the W2M Network, Sean Garmer, behind the scenes, helping make things run technically smooth for you. And if you enjoy this, by all means, make sure you check out our website online, www.w2mnet.com. As well as I want to say thanks real quick as well to Last Word on ProWrestling.com and 411Mania.com for having us on there on occasion as well. With that being said, we're getting a little bit of a late start tonight. So what do you say we get right into tonight's SmackDown Live review, Liz? Sounds like a plan. Speaking Speaking of people with plans, we opened SmackDown tonight with a quick video recap of what happened last week between the main event, the no disqualification main event of Kevin Owens taking on Randy Orton, where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn outsmarted Randy Orton and Kevin Owens pinned Randy Orton with a bullfrog splash. Their words, not mine. Anywho, we come back into the arena and our good friends, Sammy and Kevin are addressing us discussing how they outsmarted the system. Sammy in particular being in, very, a very, how do I put this in a family friendly environment? Passive aggressive douche, I believe, would be the best way to describe him tonight on SmackDown. He's really getting into it, which is good. As he taunts Shane McMahon's banning him from ringside when he hits Orton with a chair in the aisle way. Orton does not take too kindly to being treated as such and talked about as such and proceeds to RKO Kevin Owens out of nowhere. This one actually looking pretty good because you don't see Orton until he's midair in the RKO. So I got to admit, it looked pretty cool. And then Shane McMahon comes out to let Kevin and Sammy know that it will be Randy Orton and a partner of his choosing taking on Kevin and Sammy at Clash of Champions. Uh, Not this Sunday, but the Sunday after we'll have predictions next week. And in addition, tonight on SmackDown, we will see Randy Orton versus Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens will be handcuffed to ringside. You know, we were talking about how the beginning of SmackDown had turned into somewhat of the Shane McMahon show. It was kind of nice to see somebody other than Shane take the ball to open this week's episode of SmackDown. Agree? Agree. Unfortunately, he still showed up. Yeah, but he only showed up for a few moments at the very tail end. No. No, I know. This time was much better. What did you think about the segment overall? 
it was really good. I really am really into Kevin and Sammy. I think I think a lot of people found Sammy um, before this, you know, really boring. But I think the whole thing he has going on really just seems to come naturally to him. It doesn't seem forced at all. So it's it's pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I feel like there's just how do how do I put this? There's just a level of smarmy insincerity that Sammy's able to convey with this character that allows him to pull it off so fluidly. Yeah, I love it. Like, you wouldn't expect him to be as good of being an obnoxious little rat bastard heel as he is, but he's nailing it with even the little stuff, too. Right, because in his... He seems like such a very mild-mannered, easy-going, laid-back type of guy. (laughs) Well, this isn't something that we've. This isn't something that people who have been following the career of Sami Zayn are used to. He's never really been much of a heel. The only time that I've ever seen Sami work heel is when he was first getting his start in wrestling, when he was teaming with Beef Wellington in the internet, in the internet wrestling syndicate back in two thousand and three. Uh, none of his run in Ring of Honor was as a heel. None of his run in NXT was as a heel. And none of his run in the WWE up until this point was as a heel. So this is a side of Sammy that hasn't really been tapped into by the mainstream promotion. So it's interesting to see it. And it's more impressive for me to see Sammy pulling it off so flawlessly. No, I I, I agree. It's I, I think if, if it was Sammy the way Sammy always was, Doing this, I don't think it would, would be nearly as interesting. So we take our first commercial break there. When we come back to the ring, Aiden English and Rusev are in there, and we're about to listen to the 12 days of Rusev. I, I would buy that. Got all. Oh, my God. I want the whole thing. I want to buy that as a single on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Jim Johnston. Oh, wait. Never mind. <laughs> Was that confirmed? I, I, I sat about Jim Johnston being ushered out the door. Yeah, but was that confirmed? I'm sorry? Was that confirmed or it's still a rumor? No, it's confirmed. Mm. Poor Jim Johnston. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was you in the wrestling group chat that we have for the for W2M for Wrestling to the Max on Facebook that said that you wanted a Rusev Day shirt. Yes. I don't I buy just t-shirts. To- I, I don't. I don't buy a lot of – actually, I don't really buy that much wrestling merchandise in general, but I would totally buy that shirt. Probably wouldn't wear it, but I would totally buy it. I would just like to point out that, once again, every day is Rusev Day. And if you noticed, once the match actually happens, and we'll talk about the match here in a second, you can actually see Aiden English crowd in an every day is Rusev Day chant. <laughs> I missed that. It made me chuckle to no end. All right. The match itself actually sees Rusev and Aiden English taking on the New Day, the big New Day team as well of Kofi Kingston and Big E. I didn't mean big as in Big E, haha. I meant that this is traditionally the version most associated with the New Day in terms of their success as a tag team. And we actually see, thanks to a little bit of interference, outside of outside interference, courtesy of uh, courtesy of English distracting Kofi Kingston. 
Rusev and Aiden English pick up a victory here. You remember when we said it was a triple threat for the tag team titles? And do you remember our first take when we tried last episode? And I said that it may end up being a fatal four-way for the tag titles. You know how much I normally say I hate fatal four-ways? I would not mind it in this case. Is it because it's Rusev and Aiden English? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's obviously because it's Rusev Day. That is the one time this episode I'm going to do that. I got it off my chest. I feel better. We're moving on. The Hype Bros breakup is covered next. And um, while it's nice to see Mojo getting television time, congratulations, Zack Ryder. Welcome back to Obscurity. Yeah, I mean, I guess that just moved it along. All it did was remind me that it happened. I mean, they could just broken them up and, you know, that was it. I guess we're going to get a feud out of it that we don't really need. Well, something tells me that's going to be your pre-show match on next Sunday. Yeah, probably. I mean, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say uh, Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder is your WWE Network pre-show match of the night. Well, I guess it wouldn't be bad that I normally skip the pre-show then. I like Mojo. I think he had. I think he showed potential as a babyface earlier in the year, back when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and um, earmuffs kids. Gronk can go himself after what he did on Sunday's game, but it was a good way to get Mojo some mainstream publicity. So I don't knock the WWE for associating him with him with us. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, a.k.a. Gronk. That being said, I think that they've miscast the hype bros in this breakup here because I feel like if you're going to have one of them end up being a bitter a bitter shell of themselves, I feel like Zack Ryder may have been the way to go here because Mojo actually has a fan base. And I don't know that I don't know that Ryder still does. Ryder definitely still does. If you go by his social media, he definitely still has a fan base. I mean, you don't Twitter tweet that much, but Ryder definitely still has a fan base. I think though, being the veteran who has been, you know, possibly screwed over a few times in a sense, I think it would have made more sense for Ryder, like you said, to be the bitter one. The explanation that Mojo gave about turning on Ryder and the fact was that when Ryder was out with his knee injury, that Mojo went on to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and have a great amount of success as a singles competitor, which is not entirely inaccurate. And then also pointing out that Mojo was in the midst of feuding with the Jinder Mahal with the SmackDown heavyweight title when Ryder announced that he was coming back and that the hype bros were coming back into the tag team division. I get the reasoning that Mojo has there, but unfortunately, in my opinion, it comes off very basic. It comes off very stupid because it's not like, you know, right of, you know, forced them into it. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you could have said no in in the grand, you know, scheme of things. If it wasn't, you know, obviously you couldn't say no storyline, but if common sense would say, well, Okay, you could have said no. You know, you didn't want to do that anymore. So it doesn't to me. It doesn't make sense. It seems kind of like, oh, I did it because he was my friend, and I didn't want to let him down, and blah blah blah. 
Well, you mentioned the fact that he could have said no there. There's a similar storyline that I think was in the works of developing until they realized that there's actual chemistry between the team in regards to the pairing of Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. Right. Because Shelton Benjamin could have that, oh, you may be team with this clown thing going for him because of the fact that Daniel Bryan put together the team of uh, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin after Jason Jordan went over to Raw. Yeah, I think we're all surprised that that one stayed. I think everybody more or less thought that that would just be, you know, short-lived. It would end up with him turning on Gable and Gable going away for a while and coming back repackaged. But it's been working out pretty well for them so far. We'll see them involved in the four-way for the tag titles at the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. Speaking of the Clash of Champions pay-per-view, we have an official announcement for the women's title match at Clash of Champions as Charlotte will take on Natalia in what seems like um, in what seems like SmackDown's go-to specialty match, the Lumberjack match. Didn't we just have one of these on on SmackDown like two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't yeah. hallucinating that. That happened, right? Oh, yeah. That's when um, Corbin hit Rude. So, yeah, that happened, and then they're going right back to it for the pay-per-view here. Mm-hmm. To I me, guess. I think the big thing here is going to be the fact that they're going to want to have the new girls, the Riot Squad, stand tall at the show, and I understand that. No yawning. I apologize for that. But that kind of tells you my opinion as to the status of the SmackDown women's division right now. And Tony and I talked about this on the reaction last night. It's the fact that they debuted two stables that were so similar to each other within hours apart of each other that neither one of them has really found any kind of footing, in my opinion. I think the only way it would have made sense is if the two of them actually had something to do with each other. You know, there was... (laughs) Well, that was kind of the rumor for a while that uh, it was supposed to be Paige that was leading the NXT call-ups here. But Paige has had nothing to do with Ruby, uh, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan before, whereas she has an actual connection to Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose because she was a coach on the season of Tough Enough that uh, Deville and Mandy Rose participated on as Daria Barnetto and Amanda Sacramano, respectively. But you don't really need a, a you know a connection. They could fabricate one. You know, oh, they ran into each other. You know, or whatever. So and so said this, and the other one thought about. It. I mean, they could fabricate a connection. It doesn't matter. They don't need an actual you know connection. They put they put people together all the time. The, the two the two staples coming one right after each other. I don't know. I mean, the the women's division. I've said it before. It always falls flat. I know you don't watch it, and I actually only started watching it this season, but on Total Divas, there was this whole big fight with Lana and basically, well, Naya, whoever, Natalia, and um, she said something, and whether it was scripted for the show or not, it's actually a very good point. She's And you know, it chronicles her trying to wrestle and then being told, you know, it's not going to happen and whatever, and her being upset by it. But anyway, she says that she basically says that the women are never going to be taken seriously like the John Cena's and the, whoever, if they can't speak and wrestle But and she calls them out and basically like Lana, I think we can all say is cuts a good promo, you know, 
and she's telling them about like acting classes and, and this and that. And she's right. Most of the women are so flat and so you know, boring and uninteresting when they speak that the division, no matter what they do with it, just seems to keep getting stale after, you know, every few weeks. It just keeps seeming to be getting, I, going right back to what it was. I can think of one person in particular that fits that particular description. The current SmackDown Women's Champion who has low speaking robot voice and high speaking robot voice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them are, um, you know, you know, like that. I mean, as much as I like Natalia, um, you know, she's really not that. None of them are, you know, really. I mean, some of them. I mean, uh, well, Alexis is re- is pretty good. One second, Bruno, stop it. Um, my dog is going crazy again. The dog's revenge week two. <laughs> pretty much, you know. But it, it was an interesting point that that she made again. I don't know if it was scripted for the show, you know, whatever total divas being you know what it is but um she's right she's definitely right i just i i can't bring myself to care about total divas i appreciate that you're watching in order to give us a little bit of a recap and an explanation when things tie in but i just i can't bring myself to care i I usually no well (laughs) i don't actually watch i don't watch it when it's on i watch it the next day on hulu so i can mute the parts i really don't care about and just fast forward it Backstage, apparently we're cooking on SmackDown Live now. I feel like Liz would be okay with that. Wait, did I miss that? (laughs) Backstage in the locker room, we see a confrontation between Baron Corbin and Robert Roode, which, why do I keep calling him Robert Roode? I don't know. Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode. About the fact that a certain show-off was added to their match to take the loss. I mean, to add intrigue to the contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Too, too subtle? Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, Ziggler ends up arriving on scene and calling them out and then mentions that he'll be watching closely when they have their singles match a little bit later on in the evening. We all know what that means. Our next contest, scheduled for one fall, is the official devastation of two jobbers. You know what? I didn't catch their names, and frankly, they don't matter. Harper and Rowan continue to look strong as a tag team here, but while they're having a four-way for the tag team titles over on the pay-per-view, honestly, Mm -hmm. it's not really going to amount to much of anything until they decide to give Harper and Rowan a program that they can work with. That being said, as somebody who is a very stargent, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stargent, very stark advocate for the team of Harper and Rowan, I'm perfectly okay with the little stuff like this that'll keep them relevant until they get something bigger to move on to. Let's just not make a habit of them murdering jobbers, especially with those lines on the floor. Yeah, I can see them. Um, oops, sorry. I can see them maybe attacking whoever wins. I don't know. Maybe. Sorry, I had to stifle a yawn there. Yeah, I could see that as well. I, I think that that or end up costing somebody the match. Mm-hmm. 
maybe they get involved in cost the New Day the match, so that way the Usos can continue to feud with Gable and Benjamin, and you can move the New Day towards an a, a, a eventual pairing with the team of Harper and Rowan. Which would be interesting, because it would cause the New Day to become a little bit more serious, which I actually think they, they need to. Well, you see it in some extent. I mean, the feud with the Usos brought out the serious side of the New Day for okay. sure, especially with yeah. the Hell in a Cell match they had, which is, in my opinion, possibly the best tag team match in the WWE this year. No, oh, definitely. So you see, like, flashes of that more serious side to the New Day that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I also feel like maybe having a set tag team for the New Day and allowing one of them to break off into the singles division might not be the worst idea either in order to keep them fresh, much the same way we have the Shield operating on Raw with Ambrose and Rollins in the tag division and Roman Reigns kind of doing his thing around the Intercontinental title over on Raw. Yeah, we've we've discussed that a few times, you know, um, maybe Big E being singles and the other two tag or, or whatnot. Well, I feel there's I feel there's a couple of single stars for sure there. My unfortunate the problem I see with that is that I feel like Xavier Woods may end up lost in the shuffle, or I guess you could say lost in the woods. Stop it! Yeah, I can definitely see him being considered the low man on the totem pole. Unfortunately, I'm a big fan of his. I like his. I like his. I like him. I feel like I should have put on David Caruso sheets after that comment. Anywho, moving on, CSI Miami references aside, backstage segment with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and Kevin mentions the fact that he's going to go talk to Daniel Bryan and try to get everything changed. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Back to ringside we go, and it is the aforementioned Bobby Roode-Baron Corbin match, which sees Baron Corbin getting disqualified in about four minutes after Dolph Ziggler interferes. Shocker. You know, yeah, it's it's not a shocker. As soon as somebody's at the, the you know, takes part in the announcing, you, pretty much something's going to happen. It was a pretty decent, you know, match for, for what, the limited time that we got. I think it was smart to keep this short, though, as to not give away a potential singles match down the road between these two, because I don't think that Ziggler's going to have any kind of extended interaction in this program. Therefore, I feel like the U.S. title is in a, few, in a program is definitely in the offing for Rude and Corbin at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think Dolph is going to end up doing something else. Uh, leaving for Ring of Honor? Yes, I agree. You think so? Okay, he, was to be, he was rumored, rumored to be leaving before. I mean. Backstage, we see Natalia trying to get back on the good side of her welcoming community members, Lana, Tamina, and Carmella, who actually does address the elephant in the room of James Ellsworth earlier. I forgot to mention that. I actually missed the line, so I couldn't comment on it, but I know she mentioned the elephant in the room about Ellsworth being gone and well, we'll miss you, James. Anywho, Natalia then immediately flip-flops and tries to kiss ass over to the Riot Squad once they approach the women backstage as well. So, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. I've said my piece on the women for the evening. Uh, 
I don't know why I'm so tired tonight. Moving on, um, WWE Tribute to the Troops announced for WWE Week next week. You can listen to myself and Tony do Raw on the reaction. Me and Liz will be back for SmackDown and 205 Live next week. Paul and Gary will have NXT on Thursday when they usually have NXT. You couldn't pay me to re- to review the, this uh, Tribute to the Troops show. It's a shell of what it used to be. Yeah, it's just like one big look at us. Look at what we're doing. Not to mention Machine Gun Kelly. That's the best we could do. No interest whatsoever. Hey, that snoring thing is my gimmick, Liz. Sorry, it just happened. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. You completely stole my gimmick and you're 100% okay with it. I know how you (laughs) operate over there. That's pretty true. I feel infringed. Sue me. Almost, almost as bad as I'm going to feel having to watch Machine Gun Killing. Nope, that's getting muted. Anywho, next. Non-title match sees Charlotte take on Tamina here. Uh, rumor has it that before the Riot Squad got the call up to SmackDown, that this was actually the planned women's title program over on the blue brand. No way. Uh, could I could see it. I mean, they've been kind of teasing that they were going to do more with Tamina after the association with Lana. And Charlotte's kind of run the course of the top women over on SmackDown so far. She's already made her way through Natty. She's beaten Natty for the title as well as had a series of matches against Natty on pay-per-views leading up to that. She hasn't really done anything with Naomi or Becky, but at the same time, there's not much you can do with Naomi and Becky when they're off filming a movie. Mm -hmm. So Tamina's kind of the only real opportunistic match that hasn't happened thus far over on the blue brand with regards to Charlotte until the call-ups of Ruby Riot, uh, Sarah Logan, and uh, Liv Morgan. My issue with it is, you know, bringing us back to Charlotte's robotic voice. I mean, Tamina is is obviously not the greatest either, but it almost, in a sense, works with works for her because now she has Lana to be her, you know, mouthpiece, and she has this tough, you know, tough girl image thing going on. But you can't have two fairly boring people facing each other. Unless Lana's going to, like, totally become like Paul Heyman. See, I, I I don't think Charlotte's boring in the ring. I don't care for her promos, but I don't think she's boring in the ring. Also, <laughs> if I had to describe Tamina in one word, I'd say sheasel. What, like diesel? Yes, but female. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. No, Charlotte's not boring in the ring, but for many people... You know, they're they're talking, they're going back and forth, they're whatever the promos. You know, if if they're not halfway decent or interesting, then you pretty much walk away from the match. You're not invested in it. I miss half the match. So what you're saying is there's a charisma deficiency that the SmackDown Women's Division suffers from. Both both divisions. 
See, I don't think the same can be said about Raw. I think the Raw women have a definite charisma advantage over SmackDown. I think that obviously Alexa has her character down pat. I think Oscar's definitely settling into the role that they want Oscar to have right now. I feel like Sasha and Bailey have their respective fan bases behind them, and I feel there's a group of fans. There's a a contingent of fans that still respects and acknowledges Paige for the work that she put in back during the original Divas Revolution. I mean, they definitely have more. They definitely have more charisma, but it's still a lot of the same old, you know, same old same. It's the same thing every single week, you know. None other than like um, Alexis and actually in Paige. Actually, you can't really say that. And I listening to Sasha and Bailey makes me want to like, you know, stick a knife in my ear. Um, same thing for Becky, even though she's, you know, whatever. Um, how dare you? I know, I know. It, they're just, I mean, there's a lot of guys like that too, but you know, too many of the women are like that. Sasha's not all that great on them. You know, Bailey, oh please, Bailey is absolutely horrible. I think Bailey's... Natural likability helps carry her, though. No, Bailey needs to complete. I mean, we have to get back to SmackDown, but Bailey needs to complete an utter makeover and gimmick over, whatever you want to call it. Overhaul. Yeah. Anyway, back to SmackDown. Yes, as the women around ringside end up breaking down into a brawl once the the riots the Wyatt Squad. Apparently, Sister Abigail's leading a group of women over to SmackDown next. You heard it here first. The Riot Squad come down to ringside. Uh, Tamina decides to sucker forearm Sarah Logan. They have a little bit of a ruckus around ringside. Charlotte makes her way up the ramp. And frankly, when it comes to Tamina and Sarah Logan, well, let's be nice and say that very few people cared. I didn't. But I think we all could <laughs> assume that by now. Well, that's why I said let's be very nice and assume that a few people cared because I clearly didn't either. Nope. I think the problem with five of the the women, you know, including the three over on Raw pages, you know, Paige, but the the five women, and we've said this, you know, before to a degree. And finally, we'll have their own, you know, you know, actually, it's it's similar to what I say for 205. They all blend in, maybe not with each other, but with other people. You know, they didn't really do, except for, I guess, Ruby herself there. Roxy, what's her first name? The riot chick, whatever her name is. Ruby. Yeah, Ruby. I don't know why I said Roxy. I don't know why, because I thought it was Roxy. Um, they all blend together. In In a sense, you know, there's nothing... To really make them stand out, their gear for the most part is is very amateurish looking. So you don't even have them showing up, you know, in great gear, keeping their looks. You know, it looks like you know amateurs coming to try to play with the you know the the professionals. Yeah, that's the one thing you can definitely say is different about the three the three woman group overall on Raw and the fact that 
And I guess I, I, I don't mean to say this as, a, as, a, as an insult, but I guess it's going to kind of come off as one. Um, Mandy, Sonya, and Paige have the look of professional wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sarah Logan's wrestling in what would probably be something she'd wear on the farm. Liv Morgan's wearing Jer- Jersey Valley Girl stuff, whereas Ruby Riot's the only one of the three that actually has a legitimate look to her. Yeah. And it's, you know, the tattoos, the hair, awesome. The actual gear that she's wearing, I don't know. It does, I think they could have tweaked it and made it look, look a lot, a lot sleeker and kept the look. Well, that's kind I mean, of been the, the same look that she's, that's kind of been the same look that she's had throughout her career, though. So I kind of understand yeah. wanting to stick to something. No, 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 but you can stick to it with updating it. I mean, if you're going to bring her up and have her, Go head to head with Natalia and Charlotte and this one and that one. Keep her look. You know, you can keep that look with making it look better. I mean, I'm no freaking fashion plate at all, but that annoys me. You know what that just reminded me of? There were no fashion files on tonight's episode of SmackDown. You are correct. How will I know what happened to the Ascension after the gas bomb went off? How dare you leave me in suspension for the ascension? Moving on. <laughs> I can hear the audible groan in your voice after I said that. Anywho, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I get that reaction a lot, usually from women. Anywho, main event is indeed Kev- is indeed Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton with Kevin Owens handcuffed to ringside. Apparently, there are bolt cutter bolt cutters underneath the ring because. Of course there are. Uh, Kevin eventually gets freed. It matters not because Orton gets the victory with a roll-up finish. Your thoughts on the match first, and then we'll talk about the post-match. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was, it was it had, had some fun moments to it. I think it was probably more invested in that match than any of the others throughout the night. See, I think I like the opening tag team match the most, but that's because it was Rusev Day. Every day is Rusev Day. That needs to be on the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, the match makes it, the post-match makes it blatantly obvious as to who the tag team partner for Randy Orton is going to be. I feel like the only way they're going to be able to get around that is if one of them gets taken out on the go home episode of SmackDown next Tuesday night. I don't see that happening. So it is the tag team match we've already seen twice before. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens taking on Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura. It should be a good match. It's just not a necessary match, if that makes sense. No, no. I mean, it makes sense. I agree with you. All right, I know you had a big gripe about this, so let's talk about how the show wraps up. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon backstage in the, I assume, general manager's office. Shane, Daniel says there, now you got to see them get a bit of a modicum of revenge against them, and we have the match scheduled there. Are you done messing with them? And then Shane says, no, I'm not done. I'm just getting started. 
And Brian gives him a look when he says so. And then Shane continues by stating that he's going to be the special guest referee for the match. And that if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens lose the match, then they will be fired from the WWE in totality, not just being removed from the SmackDown roster. So, okay. My biggest fear. Well, I, I've enjoyed the buildup of the, I've enjoyed the buildup of the, uh, you know, Daniel being upset with, you know, Shane, the dissension among, in the ranks there. I can't stand the Shane becoming almost authority-ish. Um, because that's one thing I've always liked about him, where he was fine. He was the general manager or whatever the hell he is. And, um, but he wasn't as bad as his sister. Now it's, he's as bad as his sister, basically. And, um, my biggest fear, my bit, well, I could help but think was that we're going to find out that Daniel can wrestle again and he's going to be stuck having a match with Shane as his first match back ever. Um, which would just be horrific in so many ways. So I like what they're doing there. I think it could be very interesting, but I hate that feeling you get where like they telegraphed the whole thing. Is Daniel will probably interfere? Is is are they going to lose and he's going to find them and Daniel's going to find some magic claws that you know a way to rehire them? I, I just think I just feel like they, they either telegraph that okay, well they're going to win or, or that he's going to help them win somehow. No, I get where you're coming from there as far as the telegraphing of the finish by having the, specifically the way that we faded out of SmackDown here with the look on Daniel Bryan's face after Shane McMahon said that he was going to personally fire them if they lost the tag team match at Clash of Champions. That being said, though, I'm curious as to what involvement level we're going to see with Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn here, whether or not we will see Ke- uh, Daniel Bryan cleared to get back in the ring. And if we don't, what kind of perhaps managerial services that Bryan's going to provide to Owens and Zayn in order to kind of level the playing field based on what Shane talked about with regards to the, the, uh, what was that going with there? The setup for, the amount of levels that have to be beaten in order for, or the amount of hurdles that have to be jumped in order for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to be cleared. Right. It took me a long time to get there, but I eventually did. No, and I, you know, I agree. I just hate when they, you know, basically seem to telegraph it because now you get now you're gonna think, well, okay, it's obvious that they're not gonna really be completely fired from the company. So something is going to happen. I feel like to still another, I feel like to still a quote from a semi-famous New Yorker uh, in the regards to this particular industry. Swerve, bro. Yeah. Wasn't he from Staten Island too? Who? And if he was, I really hope you guys don't claim him. Who? Vince Russo. Oh, I have no idea. Swerve, bro. 
All right, that wraps it up for our discussion for SmackDown Live for the evening. We're going to give you a rating as well as we're going to continue our one-word review feature here. We'll also have predictions for the Clash of Champions pay-per-view next Sunday. We're going to give everybody a little bit of a heads-up as far as the schedule for the SmackDown and 205 Live reviews as well. We should be with you back again at this time and these same time slots for releasing these episodes next week as well as the week following. The week of Christmas Day is still up in the air. I am going to be out of town for Christmas. I will not get home until late Tuesday afternoon, possibly into Tuesday evening. If that happens, I will not be doing a podcast review that night. So there is a possibility that Liz and I may end up taking the week of Christmas off and returning the week of New Year's Eve or the week of New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. More information to come on that as it becomes available. All right. With that being said, Liz, you ready to get? Yes. But tonight's episode of SmackDown. Wait, so my headphones kinked, knocked out. What did you say? On a scale of one to ten, it's pretty much what I ask every time we do a rating. I didn't. I couldn't hear you. I didn't know if you asked me for the one word review or the rating. I didn't want to give you the wrong thing. And the the rating because Sean yelled at us to save the review for after the rating. Oh, whatever. Um, he yelled at you. He, he didn't yell at me. He yelled at you. You're in charge here. I'm just a, a wacko. Um, he yelled at me and head honcho gets what he wants. So rating first. Five and a half. Mm, I think that's a little low. Personally, I would go six, but I do think that raw was the better show this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the reasons for your five and a half. Um, <laughs> the boring part with the women talking. Um, the, um, this this the unnecessary moment with Mojo. I I, I just wasn't like a cohesive show for me. It's because while I enjoyed the tag team match, I I don't feel like it was really anything that you're going to remember to come this time next next Tuesday night. Yeah, the exactly. women's match. The women's match and the match between Corbin and Rude were just there. The main event, given what those two men are capable of, was, in my opinion, something of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And like you talked about, with Shane kind of slowly developing into that Stephanie McMahon authority, I don't like you, so I'm going to make your life miserable, character. It doesn't work for him. No, it does not. <coughs> So, I mean, there's still enough to enjoy on tonight's episode of SmackDown, but it's not the traditional blow-away weekly episodic show that SmackDown tends to be on a regular basis. Agreed. So that takes us to our one-word review for tonight, Liz. And where would you put that one-word, your one-word description of tonight's episode? Passable. I'm going to go with misstep. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. 
I feel like tonight was kind of an off night for the blue brand because usually they bring it on a week-in, week-out basis. And as we were talking about when we were doing our show rating, I feel like it was pretty clear because I gave Raw a seven and a half. Oh, wow. So I think it was pretty clear this week that Raw was the better of the two shows. I mean, it's similar to why I said, you know, passable, passable not in the sense that you can skip over it. But pass, passable in the sense that it, it was a it was a decent show, you know, it, it had its moments. So when you mentioned the cohesion or lack thereof, I was kind of expecting you to say incohesive as your word to describe SmackDown tonight. Oh, I wish I thought of that one. Darn it, that's a good. I just I've, I, the way you were talking about it while you were giving your reasoning for your rating made me think of incohesive for your word. Mm, that's a good word. All right, so two hundred five live will be next here. Uh, if you're interested in anything else in relation to wrestling to the max or the W2M network, make sure you visit us online at www.w2mnet.com. And in addition. You can also check us out over on lastwordonprowrestling.com as well as on 411mania.com. <coughs> Jesus. Sorry, I'm having some issues here. I'm not fully over a sinus congestion that kept me out of uh, the show a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, um, make sure you hit like and subscribe on all of your various podcast listening av- availabilities, uh, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, Apple Play. Um, I'm sure there's a couple others that I don't remember off the top of my head. If you listen to the WTM network on a regular basis, you'll hear the you'll hear the various locations with which you can find it, and check out uh, YouTube as well. And you can subscribe to the WTM network there as well to get all the newest content from your friends at Wrestling to the Max and the WTM network. So for my co-host Liz Puglisi, I'm Harry Broadhurst. Thanking you for listening to the December 5th, 2017 edition of the SmackDown Live review for Wrestling to the Max. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next Tuesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.